Speaking of global warming. What I call segue into business. They have ice. They have ice. Jim, what are we talking about today? Uh, I think we'll talk about climate change, real estate, uh, how we might be affected or will be affected in the next uh, 10 to 20 years, give or take, um, and how we might be able to easily address some of this stuff and how not, you know, I, I have no idea how we can not so easily address it, but at least a, you know, a good start would be acknowledging and admitting to the fact that climate change is a real thing that we got to deal with. Uh, no, I think that um, it, the IPCC report came out this week that said, or last week that said that, uh, you know, we're looking at uh, climate change, increasing global temperature of 1.5 degrees Celsius is going to essentially wreck the world, lead to global famine and catastrophe and mass migration. Mass migration. No of humans, humans and living in the tropics. Tropics will be underwater. Um, we have glass bottom boats. We'll be soaring over top of Miami and other coastal cities and looking down at the remnants of, of previous civilization. Little things like that. It's a happy topic today, Jim. <laughs> you know, every pod can't be happy in, ha- happiness, sunshine, and rainbows uh, and unicorns. Um, but I think that it's something that uh, I, I had drinks with a friend the other night, and his family were talking about moving from Albemarle County because they are concerned about climate change. And they're thinking about going to an area that's going to be more protected from um, from the effects of climate change and better prepared to be self-sustaining environment and families so that they can uh, farm on their own uh, and not have to be necessarily supported by, you know, for lack of a better term, corporate infrastructure that's going to feed them. They want to be able to feed themselves and support themselves. So I think it's something that uh, it's the first time I've heard that explicitly raised as an issue, but I have talked to a number of people who have explicitly said they don't want to be, well, obviously not in a floodplain, but don't want to be near a floodplain because in the next two to five years, those floodplains will probably shift and it'll take some time for FEMA to, uh, to shift their own maps. But I think it's something that's going to impact you know, everybody in some form or fashion. What do y'all think about that? Cool. I think what's needed is a pipeline to run through the to, to run through our area. I think that's gonna <laughs> I think that's gonna be an improvement. Yay, pipeline! No, I mean, I think it's something we're seeing. We're seeing more. You know, I was reading. You know, I think I found fifteen or twenty different stories to, to in, in prepping for this pod. Um, you know, I think that the real estate industry, for the I won't say for the most part, but it has been a leader, if you will, in some facets uh, of moving towards sustainability. Solar, um, you know, gray water systems are still on the fringe for the most part. Mm-hmm. But I think that, you know, we need to be much more mindful of, uh, of the fact that building homes is a significant tax on the environment. Yeah. It's, it's huge. And yeah. I think that um, we need to shift the mindset away from just how big of a house we can build, but how good of a house can we build. Yeah. Um, smaller spaces, smarter spaces, more efficient. And how can we update already existing homes? Mm-hmm. To fit modern times, yeah, retrofitting for to to accommodate those things, but it's you know I, I, you know the these these warnings and these reports are they're they're terrifying, you know that in eighteen months, twenty four months, we're well beyond the point of no return where we're going to be screwed, 
so I, mean, I think it's it's you know changing human nature. You know, take take the take the political aspect out of it, because yeah. our, our politicians are just miserable failures in every facet of of, of what they do. Um, they're never going to get anything done. But I think it has to be something where the humans. I mean, I rode a bike here today. You know, it's, yeah. it's raining. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I wore rain gear. It's not the end of the world. But I think that that's the sort of thing that people need to be mindful of is changing transportation, changing eating habits, changing how they build homes and where they build homes. This is the part that really concerns me. I mean, as we all know that changing human behavior is actually a really challenging thing to do. And most businesses, what they do is they try and figure out what is human behavior and how do we accommodate towards that versus this is what human behavior is and we need human behavior to change to succeed at what we're trying to achieve. And that's a really challenging thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, politics is going to play a role in that because people are not going to change their behaviors if politically they think that something is not a concern. You know, I mean, because yeah. I mean, like what we should discuss on this pod too is like, what are things that we can all do on an individual basis regarding our homes, regarding our, our just daily life routines to change our carbon footprint to to just do our part but there's a lot there that people are going to have to really change their lifestyles on mm-hmm. i mean the way that we the way that we transportation is going to have to change drastically our the way that we power our homes power our our devices is going to change drastically we're not going to get rid of those devices no. we're not going to get rid of motor vehicles it has to be about the infrastructure that's that is powering those things right we talk about some light rail. We're going to talk about light rail? <laughs> monorail. It's all about the monorail. Dude, we put a monorail in. <laughs> so sick. Someone call Conan oh. O'Brien and get him out <laughs> to Crozet, right Virginia. Monorail, monorail that runs, or like even like set up, like open back up this station. Like we're in Crozet, right? Mm-hmm. So like put a station here, run some light rail on the rails that are already there. Like I don't understand why that's like as hard as people think it is. I mean, I'm not an infrastructure <laughs> or like, you're not a you're not a civil engineering just put a train train on the tracks (laughs) the tracks are there let's put a train on it put a platform on it man we build this we get this done in two weeks big picture dreamer i like that two weeks no i'm saying let's look i'm saying lean startup approach (laughs) but to light rail (laughs) so i'm talking like we find some old train cars we put them on there we start running that thing in there Slowly, like people start paying for it, then like we can buy nicer stuff. Like we buy the nicer monorail, like the Disney monorail. You know, <laughs> like we get to that point, like that's fine. But like right now, we're like we just got to start this thing. We got to get it up and running. Start beta testing this thing. And what I mean is like, hey, like we got to start running a light rail, or we got to start running uh, a private bus that drives people in from yeah. Crozet yeah. to Charlottesville. Yeah, we do it quickly and do it, and then we can fund the rest of it when we have proof of concept. Just saying, hey, we get a handcart. Me and Jim, are, we're going in. We're going into Charlottesville in the handcart. Oh, I can just, just back and forth. Just old school, cartoon just chopping, style. Just chopping all wood. All back. I can see are the Flintstones. Ex- can- <laughs> I, I'm saying, I'm saying, we're get our, we get our exercise in because we're just like pumping iron. Problems with the Flintstones it. is that you're also going to like be putting in massive slabs of dinosaur meat on the side too, and we got to be reducing our meat consumption apparently. And that throws the whole, the whole cart off balance anyway. I mean, I remember that cartoon. It just goes tilts to the left. It's fine. It's fine. I mean, I, I think, I, you know, but I think transportation. <laughs> I mean, we're sitting, we're sitting here talking about, like, we have to remove gasoline and meat consumption from America. And I'll be honest, that seems like a very, very tall. It's a heavy lift, man. That's a heavy, heavy lift. It, yeah. And, but I think that people, it's, it's, it's got to happen. It's not a matter of 
you know, whether we need to do it, it's a matter of how are we going to accomplish it. And yeah. I think it, it's it starts small. I mean, I, I always refer I always reference back to a story that uh, Seth Godin, he's a marketer, yep. thought leader guy. Yep. Uh, he wrote years and years ago, and I probably call to it two or three times a year at least. And it was back when gas prices were like four or five bucks a gallon. Yeah. And he was talking about how you know the times a million math. And he said, you know, if you know if Dave you know rides his bike from you know his house to the grocery store, that's you know a mile. If Dave and Jim do it, you know that's two miles. That's two miles. If the three of us do it, that's three miles. And then you get you know millions of people doing it. You know, that times a million math comes in, uh, and then you're, you know, it's a you know a lot of miles and a, lot, mm-hmm. a big significant change. But it's something that I think that we need to be cognizant of that. You know, walking three. My daughter walks three three miles home from school. Yep. Um, not because of the environment, because she's a pig-headed fourteen-year-old. Sure. But you know that saves. She's still walking. Yeah, she's still walking. Saves bus, saves gas. I mean, it's, doesn't I matter if she's a stubborn teenager. She's still doing it with like a seventy-pound backpack. I don't understand these kids today and their backpacks. Um, but no, I think that the probably filled with books, lots and lots of books that she does. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. But like. If we're gonna say like, less, less books, less books. Books are books aren't great for the environment, man. It's a bunch of paper. But I'm just saying, like, look, I'm tired of everything. Man. I don't understand this assault in the paper company, man. Yeah. Dunder Mifflin struggling as it is. <laughs> Digital's where it's at, man. Um, I mean, what are like from a real estate perspective? What are things that people can be doing for their homes to 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 lessen their imp- impact well, yeah, I mean, I, it, it, people in existing homes and people who are moving into new homes so i mean i, I would start you know start with the fact that don't buy a house I, mean, I don't think it, i would advise my buyer clients to not buy homes near floodplains okay i think that's a start to have the market start having that conversation because it's, it's easy to say oh it's in a floodplain don't buy it i think it's a, a, a it's a small step to go oh it's 50 foot from a floodplain i'm not going to buy that or it's 100 foot. you know i think that it, yeah. Whatever that that threshold is, I mean, for me, I personally would be you know five, six, seven hundred feet from a floodplain because I don't want to be near any kind of rising water because it's going to come. Um, but I think it, it's hard because it's you know, the buyers can say I want to build a house that's fourteen hundred square feet that's perfect, you know, great efficient space, you know, tight, high efficiency, all that stuff. But to get that, you're building a custom home, and a custom home is going to be more expensive for the most part. Right. in some areas than uh, than a mass production home. You know, if you look at a, you know, I've got one, a client building now, a 2,600-square-foot home is probably going to be 650 or 7. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's going to be a phenomenal house. But that, you know, that's, a, you know, 2,600, 2,600-square feet, and the, that same price point is going to get you, actually a lower price point to get you 3,200 square feet. A lot of people are just looking at the just pure square footage and not the total environmental cost of that home. So I think that it starts with the buyers need to start demanding smaller homes, smaller homes, and the builders sure. need to start being proactive and saying, you know, "We're not going to build something big that big." Yeah. yeah, but that, and that's a hard, that's a hard nut because if if Dave doesn't build it, Art's going to. But you're asking them to, yeah, because you're asking them to work against their own economic interests, right? So I, mean, I think it's you know, that's that's a step, that's a step. There's, the market needs to start demanding that. But I think it's you know simple things like conservation. Well, I mean, yeah. What about, I mean, I mean, again, this is just me thinking out loud and not having an answer, but just asking the question. Yeah. The, the idea of somebody buying a home that is not a new build, that they're buying a pre-existing mm-hmm. home, but how to potentially wrap into like 
adding solar into the purchase and just making that a, a part of the transaction. Right. Like how, how is that like leading, leading the customer base towards alternative energy sources for a home at point of sale? Well, I, th- I think an easy way to do that would be to have, you know, one seller can do it initially and they can take out, because you, you finance the solar panels and the installation. Correct. So the seller does that as, a, as an incentive for the, for the buyers to take on. Or the, when the buyer, di- buyer does it, they, get, they immediately go through and they finance it through the solar company. Right. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's for most expenditures that are you know, significant, $20,000, $40,000, most people don't have that cash on hand. Is this something that real estate agents are pursuing while the sale's going on? Or is that something that, like, agents, both for seller and for buyer, are, could be encouraging their clients to do that. I think it's incumbent on, on the entire real estate industry to start having that discussion, or to to have started it a couple of years ago, frankly, okay. about incorporating solar uh, and now storage, you know, right? And having the battery capacity on hand. Yeah. The, the Tesla batteries. The Tesla are, batteries are. Yeah. You know, they're they're the, the 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 thought leader, if you will, that's in the minds of everybody. But I think there there are other alternatives out there that will lead people to ha- be able to live a bit bit more off grid. Well, and part of that, too, I mean, when we're going and talking about, like, the market needs to lead to something, is like, you know, Elon Musk has been very upfront to say that Tesla is meant to be a luxury product, but that he's open source his technology so right. that they can build consumer-grade versions of their technology. So does it take a General Electric or a Samsung or a Sony to, like, pull into that open source technology about how they're doing the battery storage? Right. That's always been the issue with solar for the longest time. Is like, we can generate it, but we can't store it. Mm-hmm. Now we have the means to store that energy, and it's just expensive. Can we get that thing down to the price to the point where it's like it costs like what a new hot water heater is going to cost you, which is not cheap, but I mean a thousand bucks, eight hundred bucks, and you can right. get yourself a battery pack that's going to store power and power your home for the next thirty years. We will have to think about the environmental impacts when those batteries start going dead. What do you do with all the dead battery carcasses? And mm-hmm. and, and that is certainly something to consider from an environmental p- impact. But carcasses. I haven't heard battery carcasses. We're going to start talking about Bart's meat consumption now and the environmental impact of that, and there's going to be the word carcass is going to come up again too. Bart's shaking his head no. I mean, look, I'm, like, I'm all for, like, alternative meat sources. Like, I heard they're making meat in labs now, Bart. I mean, I don't want that lab meat, but, like, I'm okay with, like, I'm okay with, like, a, look, I don't need, like, I don't need a factory farmed cow. I mean, like, Occasionally that happens, <laughs> but like I, I mean, realistically, like I do think that people have to get outside their comfort zone on what they're eating. Like I think that you know you like rabbit is sustainable, like it just is, and like rabbit is also delicious. Yeah, like that's a, like if you've had like I don't know, I was at Moss one night they had like a rabbit terrine. I'm not even really totally sure what a terrine <laughs> is, but it was tasty. <laughs> and, and like it was made with rabbits, so it felt a lot better for me as far as the environment went. Like and we got I loads of rabbits. Is also delicious, but like, hey, I felt better about this rabbit. Like we're gonna talk about rabbits. Like we're gonna talk about deer. Like if if you have a pro- like venison, isn't you know we Smoked know venison is one of my favorite things. Venison's I've ever delicious, had. man. Like we can make venison delicious. Like there's ways to do it. Like yeah, like I mean, it's, it's great to have a steak occasionally, but like we do have to get serious about like alternative meat sources and like less meat generally, which is a lot very difficult for some of us, but like, <laughs> I just had a summer of less just, meat I'm and a summer of less meat. Lo- I'm a lot just less watching meat. you lament your future as you're <laughs> coming out of your mouth. It's great. I mean, it's <laughs> like, we have to get real about it, but like, I, I do think that like if people will expand, the, it's just like bycatch 
when it comes to fish, like that stuff is delicious. Mm-hmm. There are so many tasty fish out there that are not, you know, a problem, like farmed, you know, like certain farmed fish. Yeah. You know, or that certain, you know, there's tons of stuff out there that we can eat that we can be taking advantage of that we've just ignored. You know, I'm all for all these folks that are foraging and like figuring out different stuff. That's awesome. I think that as long as if more, the more people that do that, the more people that take steps towards that, and the more people that take steps towards doing things that are a little bit different, a little bit outside the box, and expand what's going on. I mean, like people would have thought, like, uh, I mean, I'm sure, like, if you look at cookbooks, like a hundred years ago, there is stuff in there that you know now is in abundance that we could be taking advantage of. Absolutely, and there is stuff that we take you know, take for granted as being in abundance that those people would have been like, what are you crazy? Like, why are you eating cows all the time? Right. That's nuts. Like, where are you getting your milk from? <laughs> like, why do you keep killing your milk source? <laughs> like, I'm sure there are people that would say that. Like, you know, things change over time. And like, we do need to like be very cognizant about making an evolution towards eating things that are a little bit different and a little bit outside the comfort zone. No, I mean, <clears throat> so uh, taking this to, to a local perspective, you know, the, the county just... Avonmore County last week, I think, they um, they ranked climate goals as their highest priority for this for their strategic plan, which is awesome, I guess. Admirable. Yeah, sure, great. The, no actual plan other than budgeting, sitting here reading Allison Ravel's story, other than budgeting $100,000 in the current fiscal year to support these goals. So they're going to throw money at it with no specific. I think we just found the source for that light rail startup. There you go. Just don't put it in tech stocks because those things are getting hammered. Uh, but I, I think that Dude, Jim is dark today, man. <laughs> Jim's taking down Wall Street today, too. But, you know, I think that the, that great. They're supporting climate goals. Whatever. I think it's it's a laudable goal. But you know, a step, a, a, a big step that they could take would be, you know, work with the city of Charlottesville to develop a comprehensive transportation network where it's going to be, you know, you can ride your bike safely from the county's urban ring into the city center and vice versa. Yeah. But right now you've got the city doing a you know, reasonable bike and, you know, bike ped program that stops at the county line and vice versa again. It, it, you have these localities that, that speak the, they speak the good words, but their actions are deficient in so many very various ways. Uh, but I think transportation is something that it's massive. You know, I, again, I was, you know, unfortunately it was raining yesterday and I had, tight timeline but i wrote i drove my car in you know three different times for two and a half miles each time you know it, it would have been better for me to have ridden my bike or you know walked mm-hmm. little things like that small sacrifices of getting a little bit sweaty before i meet a client no big deal I mean, it's not the end of the world but i think that's something that we need to budget and change budget our time and change how we live fundamentally and it's something that Again, from a real estate perspective, I encourage my folks to look at you know their their daily lives, and transportation is a huge part of that. If you can yeah. keep if you can keep your radius down to five miles versus thirty or fifty for the, your daily daily existence, and it's hard. And you are really pushing the market though, because the reason people are moving out of the city is because of affordability, right? And so you're instantly taking a major amount of. You know, Charlottesville's popular Charlottesville and Alamo's population and giving them a fifteen to twenty mile commute daily. Raise the gas tax. You know, find 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 a number, find, find some sort of me, some that. sort of tax that's going to encourage people to look at their lives differently. 
as a guy who's about to go buy a new hybrid vehicle mm-hmm. early next week. There you I'm go. All for that. There you go. A uh, friend of mine on Twitter was talking about how he's buying, a, I think, a Chevy Bolt. Yep. And how he he you know he loves the car, and, and he's his goal is to get gasoline out of his life. Without getting into the details of a car accident I had last week, uh, we were forced to go do some shopping for a new car, and I drive a I was driving a Honda Fit. We were looking to go get another Fit, and we got turned on to the uh, Honda has for the third time re-released their Insight, but it looks like a normal car now. Mm-hmm. And like I sat in it, I saw that the way that they've rebuilt the technology for the the way that the battery is switching over from gas, and it is extremely impressive and 52 miles per gallon. Yeah, it's you know, yeah, that, that's phenomenal. Yep. You know, I, I, I mean, we should, we still need to be working to get to a net zero as far right. as our fossil fuel consumption, but that needs to happen over like the course of the next five to ten years. If it starts with like people looking at like legitimately looking into hybrid vehicles, right? Because the the insight is affordable. When Priuses were coming out, they were very expensive when they were first hitting the market. the The insights are affordable vehicles. Yeah, and I, it, but it, I think it's. Yeah, I wrote a story years and years ago talking about going going green to save green. That, and I still believe this: that people aren't going to most people are not going to choose an environmentally advantageous way of living because it's the right thing to do. Especially if it costs more money, they're going to do it if it saves them money. Correct. Period. It's not going to be oh, this is the right thing to do. I feel good about myself. It's huh, that thing's ten bucks. This thing's eight bucks. Oh, really? The eight dollar thing saves saves me money. Yeah. yeah Great. Yeah. yeah. You know, so I think it's. It has to be something that, that you look at their their base existence as as what the what the rationalization is. What so what are the most you talked about size, you talked about, you know, power source, you talk about, you know, yeah, and I'm sure we we all know about, you know, either high efficiency or green appliances, like we know about all those things. Like what are you know if you are building a new house, like sustainable materials wise, like how far has that come? And like what, what is out there for people to choose from that are picks that they could make over things, you know, over other things that exist that would save them money and would work? Well, I mean, you have sustainable flooring, you have higher grade insulation that, that will you know, save you on a monthly basis as well as save, you know, save, the, save the energy expenditure in the house. Um, sustainable flooring like bamboo floors? Exactly. Yeah. Any, any bamboo source you know? In the relative uh, I area? I think uh, there's a guy I know who's got a fair amount of bamboo in his backyard. Gotcha. He can harvest one or two pieces, and he'd love it. I know how I'm going <laughs> to redo my floors. <laughs> be a big chipper. You could redo your floors, and six weeks later, you could redo your neighbor's floors, and six <laughs> weeks later, you could redo your I'm other neighbor's floors. I'm solve all of this. <laughs> I, got, I got my push cart on the Buckingham Railroad. And then I'm rebuilding <laughs> bamboo floors for everyone. But you know, I think it, it's it, broader scale, though. It, it comes back to location. I mean, you can build the most efficient off-grid house, but if you're you know, 15 miles away from civilization, you're still driving multiple times a day. Mm-hmm. Or you build a more reasonably efficient house. an electric vehicle. Exactly. You know, but it's, you know, if you live in a tight urbanish environment and you can walk or ride a bike to you know for us to to crozet market or yeah. the green greenhouse or mud house and schools and mm-hmm. work and you know if you can have a fairly tight existence you know you can cut down on your carbon emissions rapidly if you just choose to live that lifestyle and some of that is just you know that too- is a lifestyle that will save money too you are not spending money at the pump right that You'll is be a less lifestyle fat too there you go no, 
plus. I mean, in fairness, like, it's so that we're getting like any hypocrisy concerns out of the way here. They had a walk to school day for Crozet Elementary, and I drove past everybody that was walking. <laughs> did, did you flick them off too while I you did it? I didn't flick them off, but the principal for Crozet Elementary, uh, while I was trying to pull back out of her school, said, What are you doing over there? <laughs> I Crummy, love her. Miss Crummy is fantastic. <laughs> Uh, and she pointed and said, what are you doing over there? I said, there are a lot of moving parts. I got to get this kid to preschool. And if I don't drop off at this time and then get over there and get over to Waynesboro, then I've got a lot of problems on my hand. So hopefully she was not sympathetic at all. She really wasn't. <laughs> and it's fair on her part. I, don't, like, I just wanted to make sure that anybody who's listening to this, like, I saw that guy drop right by us on walk to school day. And he's sitting there talking about sustainability and rabbits. Like, I don't really want to listen to that guy. Just so we're getting all the hypocrisy out of there, we all make mistakes. <laughs> For the or, record. Not even mistake. I knew what I was doing. I chose not to participate in Walk to School Day. This is one of the most Bart Isley stories I've ever heard in my entire life. <laughs> See you later, suckers. <laughs> the, so I, I think, you know, the last thing I would say is that about, you know, transportation methods is it, that I think they've done in Oregon to a certain degree, and I think some insurance companies are doing this as well, is that you take, you know, a, you know a, a, as a real estate professional who drives tens of thousands of miles a year, you know, right. there's been talk about having a per mile tax. Wow. That's terrifying. I drive 25,000 miles a year. I drive about 32, yeah. 33. I mean, it, it's yeah. a lot of miles. So, I mean, I think that that, but I think that would be a, a, that would be a good way to do it, but back to the affordability and location. For my clients who choose to live in Waynesboro because it's less expensive over there, yep. you know, that total cost of ownership is going to go up pretty rapidly if something yep. like that were impacted. And, you know, I don't know the solution. I think that we, the solution is to have intelligent conversations on a agreed-upon set of facts that people can, can discuss and debate realistically. Um, and as those words come out of my mouth, I realize that we are all profoundly screwed. Why can't that be the ending, Dave? Dave, why can't that be the ending? Dave, Dave, let it be the ending. I mean, it's going to be the ending, but I may tag this last little bit on here. Just... I mean, it's dark. It's dark. It's not, it's not the tone we were going for, but like, hey, we got there. 